All right, here comes week nine in the National Football League, and the Rams are still unbeaten. They are 8-0 and for the first time since 1969 and only the second time in franchise history. With DeMarco Farr, I am JB Long. D. Farr, how are you? Survive Halloween okay? Great. I wasn't born in 1969, so this is all new. Nor was I. In fact, this really put it in context for me. Wade Phillips had just completed his playing (laughs) career as one of the all-time leading tacklers at the University of Houston, and he was a first-year grad assistant the last time the Rams were 8-0, and just embarking wow. on his coaching career. So he had finished an entire life before I was even born? That's amazing. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. I, I just love seeing him, talking to him, and the guy's got, I think he's got more energy than anybody on the team. It's amazing. Big week for him against Drew Brees and the Saints in the Superdome. The Rams have won seven straight road games. Is this the week, though, that the winning streak, the Hmm. undefeated season, comes to an end? You know, Breeze, New Orleans, Sean Payton in their house, it's going to be tough. Uh, You saw how tough it was against Green Bay, another good football team, but they're coming off a bye, so they were the fresher team. So, I mean, look... Um, I, I think this is about as even as you can get it. Uh, it's it's about who plays best on game day. I love it when you get to this part of the year because no matter who you have on the sidelines, Sean McVay, Sean Payton, it's not about out-scheming. You've got enough film. Everyone knows what you're about to do. It's about outplaying the other team. So they have just as good a chance as outplaying the Rams and vice versa. It's about who plays better on game day. Do you think that is part of what plays into the fact that the margin of victory is shrinking? Like you compare September to October? And there are more close games because, you know, whatever aces that Sean McVay had up his sleeve to start year two. Yeah. Teams are scheming that better. Well, I mean, it's it's every season, no matter who you are. And some of these teams are going to start to go backwards in a hurry because you're not going to fool anyone. They know what you're about to do and they know how to stop it and vice versa. So it's which guys, which playmakers can make plays on game day. So we'll, we'll find out. And it's, you know, it is up to the coaches to keep these guys focused and to keep them energized because you're going to get tired. At this point, I mean, everyone, no matter where you are, is looking towards the bye or looking towards the break. So keep these guys focused, keep them on the big picture and not about, wow, I'm tired or ooh, ah, I'm banged up. It's striking to me that the Rams have been the final unbeaten team for several weeks now. Going to New Orleans this week, they're still one loss away from no longer being in control of the one seed in the NSC or controlling their own home field advantage destiny. Eight no, right? Undefeated and still. It, it's it's still in doubt out there. So look, I mean, that's that's the one thing that gets you up in the morning. That's the one thing that makes you get that extra rep on the bench press because it ain't over yet, man. No matter what you've done, it doesn't really matter. There's still something else out there to get, and they're still gaining on you. Don't look back. All right, more about that in around the division and around the NFC in our final segment. Let's get to the big trade this week. A future third and fifth round pick for what amounts to half of the final year on Dante Fowler Jr.'s contract. Wow. Well, well, can we start back to front, at least in my mind? Sure. Tell me about the business end. How, how, did, how do you, you mean, think this – is this bad? Is this good? You mean releasing Jamon Brown to well, that, make that, room to take on this contract? That I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Just the three and the five for Fowler. For what most people would see as a backup defensive end. I think he's more than that, but a three and a five. Well, look, I think this offseason has taught us a little bit about how the Rams' front office is approaching – Uh, the value of future picks versus current wins, right? Uh, Right, okay. And so I think this is continuing that thought process, this trend. Uh, Their hope, I understand, is that the third round pick that you're giving up this spring is going to be one of your comp picks. So, Fair enough. You're playing with house money? And then next year's fifth. Okay. Okay. 
Um, is it a higher price than they set out to pay? Yes. When push came to shove, was it worth the price of admission? They think so clearly. Um, and look, it's it's difficult to trade, I think, at the deadline when you're in the driver's seat right now, right? right? Because teams know that the pick they're trading for is going to be at the bottom of any round. Right. So I think inherently you have to pay a price premium on any trade, knowing that right as of right now you're projected to be the Super Bowl champion. I think it's worth it. Uh, if you watch him play, if you've watched him play, he's got what you need and what you didn't have against Green Bay. I'll tell you this, I feel a whole lot better going to New Orleans with him than without him mm-hmm. because you're going to need more than Aaron. And that sounds crazy because he's unblockable, but... You've seen what people can do when it does get wadded up. When you send two or three guys at Aaron and shut him down or at least keep him away from the quarterback, if you don't have edge pressure, the ball's going down the field. And this is going to be another elite quarterback that can make anybody pay, regardless of who that corner is. He can make you pay if you're not on your P's and Q's. So I think Fowler's tremendous. I think he's a natural pass rusher. You hear this every... February, March, right up to the draft. He's got a natural wiggle when they talk about edge rushers. I think they're born, not made. I think this guy is born to rush the passer. He's going to help. He's got two sacks this year so far. I wouldn't be surprised if he's pushing 10 by the end of the year. In fact, we'll get into our Rams all-access poll question right after we hear from Sean McVay on the move to acquire this edge rusher. We feel like, you know, it was something that we wanted to be able to get him here. I uh, heard nothing but, you know, good things as far as just a, a great kid, works hard, practices the right way, has great habits, and looking forward to getting to know him a little bit. You know, I don't really know him, obviously know about him, and, and you've seen some of the things that he's done from a production standpoint, but we feel like with just the amount of resources that uh, we were able to utilize and, and talk to as far as just the, the people that could speak on his behalf, people that we really value and, uh, you know, take their opinion very seriously, you know, it was good things, and it was something we felt like we wanted to do. All right, so this week's ESPN Los Angeles Rams all-access poll question. Dante Fowler had two sacks as a member of the Jags this season. As DeMarco said, how many will he have with the Los Angeles Rams in the balance of the 2018 regular season? Over 600 votes, 63% with with four or more. Another 26% are expecting at least three in the second half of this season. To kind of color in your point about how he addresses the Rams' biggest weakness at the midway point of the season. According to NFL's next-gen stats, the Rams lead the league in pressure rate among their interior defenders. Having Aaron Donald, of course, helps in Dominic and Sue, but they rank 29th out of 32 teams among edge rush Mm. pressure. And, and, you know, look, uh, I think you knew that coming in. We talked about this in July, right before training camp. And remember, Dominic Easley worked his butt off, missed all everything to get himself back just so he was healthy enough to play and wound up being your starter. And the guys that are starting now were still here. So we knew, we talked about this as as an issue, but this is going to help especially on obvious passing downs. But don't think that Samson Abelcom or Matt Longacre are going away. They're still valuable. They're still good run stuffers. They are still guys that have a nose for the football. They're going to play important snaps for this football team. But when it's an obvious passing down, to help out the pass rush, Fowler is going to be that guy. And think about this. Aaron is ripping it up right now with almost no help from the outside. What would his numbers be if he actually had edge help? Well, I mean, let me yeah. pose that question back to you. Let's settle on Aaron for a moment. We could do a whole show on what he's done with 10 sacks in mm-hmm. the last five. I mean, is he in a rhythm, a hot streak, the way that we see quarterbacks like Goff and Breeze get into just on the defensive side of the football? This goes back to when we were talking about the contract and how much it would cost, and I was trying to tell people the run of dominance. They they tried to say with a tackle, all of a sudden he can fall off a cliff. I said, this run isn't over. It's a 
you're about halfway through it. There's going to be more runs like this. So he's playing his best football. He has never played better than what you see right now, and he's only improving game by game. So, yes, um, outside of people that you've already seen that you may see in the postseason, anyone who hasn't seen him once can't prepare for him. You don't have a guy to demonstrate that in practice. Yeah, I mean, it's tough this week to get to Drew Brees because he has the quickest release in the game he has for a long time. But to put into context what Aaron Donald is doing from the interior, he is double teamed on 70% of his pass rushes, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. Nobody else on the top of the sack leaderboard is doubled even half the time. So he's leading the way at 10. There's a group of players with eight sacks, and none of them face anywhere close to the amount of Double teams from the interior that Aaron Donald does. And you have to send five to pull them off the double. because. And think about this. If you are rushing four, there's five blockers for every four rushers, right? So if he's taken up two, what does that mean for the other three? One-on-one's you, everywhere. You are single blocked. Now, sometimes you have to give the other interior guy a, a little bit of a pass because that slide is going away and there's it's tougher to get from the A-gap out to the quarterback. But from an edge rusher perspective, this is the guy you want to play with. He's going to force one-on-ones pretty much 70% of the time. All you have to do is go out there and win them. Not done with a defensive breakdown of the Rams going into Week 9 just yet. This feels like a huge week, and maybe a make-or-break week for Marcus Peters and his 2018 season at the midway point. And we'll turn our attention to the offense as well. Aaron Donald was the NFC's Defensive Player of the Month of October. Todd Gurley is the NFC's Offensive Player of the Month for October. If the season ended today... Would Donald and Todd repeat as defensive and offensive player of the year? We'll talk about that as we continue on this Saints preview week nine edition of Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Well, it's strength against strength this week in New Orleans. The Saints' number one rushing defense takes on the NFL's number one rusher in Todd Gurley. Welcome back to Rams All Access. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. The Saints have also allowed the fewest yards per rush, just 3.2 yards per carry in the NFL this season. Uh, tough to find a better matchup than the Rams rushing attack against the Saints defense in Week 9. You know, I, I love watching Manti Teo play, and I, I don't care if people like deride me for that. I love watching him play. You know why? It reminds me of back in the day when that style was actually appreciated. I mean, now it's all about go-fast linebackers, right? I mean, they do. They get to the ball fast, and they miss even faster. Um, the guy hardly makes a mistake. That's why they're so good in, in run defense. He's going to be where he needs to be. Now, it may be a you know, a plus four or a plus six every now and then, but plus 60s and 70s you just do not see. And that's how you become a consistently good run defense. I just wonder how much can he be on the field against the 11 personnel that Sean McVay displays start to finish. Well, I mean, uh, sure, if he stays on the field, if he's Mr. Everything for them, and I bet he is, uh, when you watch them make a mistake, he's the guy correcting on the field. It just It's evident. But if he's got to stay, expect him to be attacked. Just really. I mean, that's going to be your advantage, your your mismatch in the passing game. But in the run game... He's going to be wherever Todd is, yeah. or whoever has the football, Manti is going to be there. The other uh, big news, the big story offensively, I think, Cooper Cup returning to the lineup after missing the second half in Denver, then games against San Francisco uh, and Green Bay. DeMarco, this passing game for New Orleans is almost as bad as their run defense is good. I think the Rams are going to have to attack through the air, and I think they're going to be able to. You know, uh, I love watching Breeze, too. Um his strength is his consistency. That dude can play, I mean, long, remarkable stretches of mistake-free ball. 
I mean, even if they don't score, it's still the right read. Footwork is perfect. Didn't get touched. There are times out there where it seems like he doesn't even see the defensive front because it doesn't matter. They're not going to get to me. The ball's going to be gone. So you're going to have to be letter perfect, and I would say get to your technique fast. Do you think that Cooper Cup's return, I mean, we know he gets plugged in right away. Does that send Josh Reynolds back to the bench for this week, or do you think there will be packages in which Reynolds, who had two touchdowns last week against the Packers, is involved? I I think, look, um, it depends on what Cooper Cup is and what he can be at this point, and, I mean, you have to see him play. Uh, Warming up and practicing and and doing all that stuff is fine, but when you get out in the game, it's a little bit different because in practice, you don't finish every rep getting tackled or blocking or Mm -hmm. it's not full speed, so we'll see. Uh, But if he can play, he stays. But if not, Josh Reynolds has earned the right to play, and he's played enough reps that you'll feel comfortable doing whatever. You don't have to change the offense if Cup is on the bench. Brandon Cooks goes back to New Orleans, not for the first time, uh, but he's having a career season here with the Rams uh, through eight games in every respect again, except for passing touchdowns. Uh, but here's a guy who's been traded away from New Orleans, been traded away from New England, now gets to go back to the Big Easy. I have a sense that he's in for a big game, and I think the Rams coaching staff We'll give him that opportunity. What, what, what gives you the sense? Let me smell it. Come on. Because Sam Shields got a taste against his former team. Yeah. And I think it lifted the whole boat, right? Like anybody, not anybody, other personnel in the Rams could have caught the fake punt. Other personnel could have downed the punt inside the one. But when you let Sam Shields do it, when you design it for him, it's like the whole sideline is anticipating that moment to celebrate with him, right? I think so. Yeah, it's a big deal to go against your former squad, some some place you've been. Um, it just it takes on a life of its own, and it, that guy's on your side, but it's personal. So you you he's one of you, so you got his back. So it does. It lifts yeah. everybody. It's fun. Yeah. You know, I posed a question to Sean McFay this week. It's not a sentimental sport. It's not a sentimental league, but. Isn't it cool when you are able to do things like that? And here is his answer uh, regarding Sam Shields. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, our, what makes this team special, JB, is is the fact that they enjoy each other. You know, and you and that's something that you can just feel. You can just feel. We, they're a connected team because the players enjoy it. We try to create an atmosphere where they always like coming in here, but we're serious about our football and we're going to do everything we can to try to improve on a week-to-week basis. But it's about people. This is a people business at the end of the day. And we care about these guys. And, you know, when you read that and then you kind of just get Get to know Sam, what a great guy he is anyways. You can't help but root for him. All right, so either they're going to throw it to him every single down or they'll use him as a decoy and go to to somebody else, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Todd Gurley. I would bet. score that way. I would bet. Um, you know, look out for Robert Woods no matter what game you play. He's just Mr. Consistency. Um, he seems to be the guy that always finds the dead spot in the zone and or against man coverage that you can count on. So think about this. If you get Cooper Cup back – for Jared Goff, now there's more than one guy you trust in a pinch out there. And I'm not saying he doesn't trust others, but just those two guys have a sixth sense, and you almost give Jared Goff a wider spread of the field. I can trust here, I can trust here, no matter where the rush comes, I got a guy down the field I know I can get the ball to. Yeah, I mean, I was going to Goff next. I'm glad you yeah. led me there. He's coming off a game in which I think pressure got home more than he's experienced at any point this year. Uh, even when he wasn't getting sacked, uh, the strength of the Rams' passing game at times is getting him out on the perimeter with the waggles and the boots. And I mean, credit to Green Bay. With a bye week to prepare, I don't think we've seen a defense defend against that as well as they did. They got some guys home with some pressures. They put some heat on the offensive line. And look, they got some one-on-one beats up the gut. 
uh, against people that don't necessarily get beat that often. Whitworth giving up one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Saffel giving up some pressure to the middle, to a guy that's not really a pass rusher. So all that stuff's on film, we know. So the Saints are going to be salivating, but... I would bet that offensive line is looking for some get back. Uh, they need to get back on track. And I would say this, and I haven't tracked this. Has Jared Goff's rushing numbers gone up since Cup's been absent? Like his escape the pocket numbers? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's had a few of those. I got to move the football. If I can't toss it to that guy, I got to run it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But when pressured last week under heavy duress, more so than he has been at any point this season, he completed just three of 12 passes, averaging four yards per attempt. So it was noticeable. And, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, the Saints had Kirk Cousins under pressure nearly half of his snaps last week in his uh, home stadium. So I I think there's a challenge there, like you said, the offensive line probably ready to embrace it and engage it. But the difference between Jared Clean and Jared under duress is striking. Only Patrick Mahomes has a better passer rating from a clean pocket this season. That might be the key to getting to that secondary of the Saints, which is their defensive weakness. I would bet you you would see more screens to relieve some of that pressure. That's an idea. Yeah, it, and it, and Sean McVay is is he's very smart. He's 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 he has a great plan for every team he's going to attack and the schemes they run. So sometimes screens aren't available because of the personnel. I would bet there's going to be opportunities for big-time screen plays this week in New Orleans. All right, we will go to New Orleans for four-down territory coming up in a moment, but uh, some news on their front. First-round pick and pass rusher Marcus Davenport just uh, out for a couple of weeks with an injured toe coming off a two-sack performance in Minnesota. So that's a big loss for their defense, Um, but I know that you have your eye on Cam Jordan and what he can do down in and down out. Oh my God, it is. we're one day past Halloween, right? He is the Michael Myers of the NFC. If you're a quarterback, right, you scan, you you find out where he is, identify, there's Cam Jordan, and then you turn your head, go through your pre-snap, snap the football, and poof, he's standing right next to you. I love that you remembered <laughs> to ask Sean McVay about his comment from oh, the yeah. game against the Saints and Cam Jordan last year here on the Coaches Show Monday night is what Sean McVay had to say. What's so impressive about him is typically the defensive linemen, you know, usually are, you know, rotating in and out. He plays almost every single snap, and the production that he has, both in the run as a pass rusher, his strength, uh, ability to utilize his hands and different things like that. You, you talk about feeling defensive players. You felt him, and seeing him play live and in person gave you a whole lot more appreciation than, you know, and I re- we respected him going into the game, but, you know, it was something that Billy Johnson and Aaron Cromer had both said, this guy is a baller, I'm telling you. And then I said, man, you guys were right. <laughs> He's something else, man. Get him, Rob. <laughs> Get him, Havenstein. And what you're saying there is he's a true left defensive end, which means it's him against Havenstein in the Dome all day Sunday. Guaranteed, if you're Jared Goff, you can look up. He's going to be somewhere to your right. Uh, sometimes they might bump him down between the guard and the tackle, but for the most part, he's going to be at left end, and he's going to be breathing down your neck before you know it. All right, two segments down on Rams All Access, three to go. We'll start our next segment by hearing from the QB1, Jared Goff, about how his team is learning to win different ways. That's as we continue to preview the matchup with the Saints, a showdown for NFC supremacy on ESPN LA 710. Teams sometimes know how to lose, and some teams know how to win, and we're starting to learn how to win, and how to win in different ways, and, and whether it's on the ground, through the air, you know, defense, having a shutout, you know, Johnny putting one down to the one like he did, us making, you know, Rameek making a play on special teams, different things like that is awesome to see, and it's, it's really, you know, brings the whole team together, and when we can rely on each other like that in, in every phase of the game, like you're saying, and, and be that complete team is, is really what you strive to be. 
All right, Jared Goff looking ahead to a trip to New Orleans, second trip this season to the Big Easy. The Rams also played there in the preseason finale, a game that did not go in their favor. Of course, uh, no one really playing that day is on the current 53-man roster uh, for the Los Angeles Rams. We turn our attention to this uh, showdown for the top spot in the NFC. Can I give you one of my favorite nuggets for this week? Go for it. Saints are second in the NFL, scoring 33.4 points per game. Rams are third, 33 points per game. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, this is the latest in NFL history that teams who both came into a game averaging 33-plus have ever collided. Really? So week nine, the latest into a season that two teams each averaging 33 points have ever gone head-to-head. And keep in mind, the Chiefs are the top team scoring in the league, and they're the Week 11 opponents. So if the Rams can continue to outpace 33, wow. you might go even deeper wow. uh, in a couple of weeks. What does that say about the NFL? Current state or just one of those things where all the stars are aligned? I think it definitely says current state. Current state? But okay. it's also a pretty special matchup. I mean, if you sense that, if you sense that this is a potential NFC championship game caliber matchup, it's because it's true. Uh, historic. I mean, look, by the time we get to hoist the Lombardi, whoever it is, you'll probably go back and point to this game as a catalyst or something, some sort of message for the postseason. Because New Orleans stands a good chance to be there and is going to have something to say about who comes out comes out of the NFC and the LA Rams feel the same way so you can probably go back to this matchup that is huge I can't wait to see what happens on game day well, I be think fun. back to uh I mean it was Jared Goff's second start but it felt like his first real game remember because mm-hmm. he made his debut in the bad weather against Miami and like the most conservative game plan you could ever imagine through his first touchdown pass in New Orleans a couple years back think how far he has come think how far the Rams have come I mean, he was throwing those touchdown passes to Tavon Austin and others who are no longer part of this franchise. And now, two years later, he goes back as an MVP candidate. Yeah, yeah. And the leader of one of the best offenses in football. See, now it it gives you some perspective on why there might be animosity between head coaches. Not these two, but just head coaches in general. I bet Sean McVay, or or Sean Payton hated the fact that Sean McVay came to the Rams, came to the NFC. Another guy that can build offense. Another guy that's a threat to your throne. That's fun. I love that stuff. You know what's cool, though, is as productive as they each are, and I think that's definitely a major theme in Sunday's game, is that they're not just the head coaches, but they're the play callers. I mean, they are going head-to-head as much as the teams are. Uh, But the way that they do it, the Rams have the most common five-player skill combination in the league this season. I mean, almost without exception, you're getting... Goff and Gurley, Cooks, Cup, Woods, Higby, same five offensive linemen. They played over 200 snaps together. The Saints and Sean Payton, I mean, they keep you guessing. Their most common five-player skill combo has only played 51 snaps together. He's running a fullback, two backs, multiple tight ends. He's had three quarterbacks on the field crazy at the same time this year. I mean, they go for diversity and sub-pack. I mean, it's it's amazing how differently the two coaches do it. I see why defensive coordinators get into it with them. You have to stay up all night to prepare for all this stuff. you got to watch every bit of tape, and you have to explain it to your players how you're going to play all your calls versus this personnel group. But from what I can tell, just watching him, it's – the personnel groups are always going to change. The jersey numbers are going to change. The the ability of that player in that position is going to change, but the the the, the formations don't. Mm-hmm. So one, you'll start with Breeze in shotgun, and there's Ingram out there with him. So you run that for a few plays, and you have to defend that. And then all of a sudden, he'll slip Kamara in. 
to the same position and it changes the entire personnel group, you know? So it just it forces you to constantly be on your toes. And it, it really, you can't really take a breath out there defensively against him. Yeah, we'll get into how the two-back look is going in New Orleans with Mike Triplett coming up next in our segment four down territory. Uh, I want to focus on one defensive player here in this segment if we can, because I think it's a critical week for Marcus Peters. And you look at the other levels of this defense, the front is phenomenal. Uh, the linebackers with Littleton in the middle, Mark Barron coming off a of safety, maybe starting to settle in. You just got some edge help in Fowler. The safeties are playing well in Johnson and Joyner. At the other corner, Rams can't seem to decide between Shields and Hill, and some have had up weeks and others have had down. But you can't really live with the inconsistency from your top-tier guy, Marcus Peters, on the other side. And he's going to get the Devontae Adams of the world and the Michael Thomases of the world week in and week out. And until Aqib Tlaib comes back, I just think he has to rise to the occasion in New Orleans against the Seahawks against Kansas City before the bye. I agree. Uh, look, uh, both corners, all corners, everybody in the secondary, everybody on defense really has to step it up again. Even Aaron, there are places where he can improve. Everyone has to improve. But, you know, look, I just remember when I was playing, going out, there are always these these hot and cold corners. Guys that run hot, run cold. And when they're hot, they're great. They're picking off everything, knocking everything down, maybe pick sixes and all that. When they go cold... It's not because they're getting beat. It's because they're trying to do too much. Hmm. So you kind of have to settle them down and just play football, man. And sometimes if you can't, if you can't get that in his head and you continue to give up critical errors that put the defense in bad situations or score, sometimes it's best to go with, I guess, an athlete that's not as good, but at least he's consistent. Play the coverage cold. If he catches it, so be it. Bring him down there. What you can't do is have busted coverages or let guys break tackles and get out and around you. Cannot happen. Fastest way to die in the NFL. So, uh, But what you want to do is bring him with you. He's one of your best athletes. So we'll see how he plays. Um, I think physically, he's fine. Okay. Um, I, I think physically, question. he's got to be fine. He's playing. He hasn't missed a rep. He's been that guy. Now, consistency throughout the secondary is a must. Not just one guy. Everybody has to be on the same page versus these elite quarterbacks. You see it. One mistake, balls over your head, and you won't get that play back. I just want to circle back to the to what you started with there, though. If He has a reputation of being a risk-reward corner. We saw the reward against the Raiders to cap week one. Haven't seen a whole lot of quote-unquote reward, meaning picks or pick sixes since. But you don't want to emphasize necessarily the reward. Like You don't want him to go overboard seeking that next interception. You want to minimize risk right. <laughs> if possible. Like Focus on the other side of that equation just remember what's important and what you're doing out here you're out here to stop them to get off the field period end of story you're not here to get your picture in the paper but fowler for instance could have peripheral benefits for someone like marcus oh absolutely Uh, look if you if you get great pressure on the quarterback that's only going to make your corners and secondary and linebackers and guys covering that much better you only get one look and the ball's coming out yeah so, I mean, it's only going to help. But when you are in those situations to where it's an obvious passing down and they're, have, they have a concerted effort to keep the rush off the quarterback so they can get the ball down the field, you've got to play the coverage called and you've got to play it perfectly. Uh, Peter struggling through the lowest grade of his four-year NFL career. Uh, in the same breath, I want to point out that Nikel Roby Coleman is playing sensational. In fact, Sean McVay was quick to highlight the tackle that he made in space. Uh, I think it was in the second half against the Green Bay Packers. 
I mean, he's someone who in the slot is giving you one of his career best efforts. So uh, all is not lost in the secondary. I just think uh, they have to be able to survive what's left of Aqib Tlaib's absence. If you're going to get him back in December after the bye, whatever it is, uh, there's still a quarterback gauntlet to run between now and then. No doubt. I mean, the touchdown that Troy Hill gave up, I mean, as a defensive guy, you can live with that. You just got beat. You were in his hip pocket. It wasn't a blown coverage. What you can't live with is, you know, you're supposed to be here and you're there and the ball goes to where you should be. And it's just an easy throw. Uh, Roby, Roby Coleman playing the slot corner. Love him there. I hope it's a situation where you don't have to move him out beyond the numbers. Like putting Sue at right defensive end. Left defensive end is one thing. I get that. But your right defensive end spot is supposed to be for your best pass rusher. If your best pass rusher is your nose tackle, that sends a huge message. You know what I'm saying? I do. So guys have to play better. I'm glad you got Fowler for a role like that. Interesting. Big week for Brockers, too, going back to uh, Louisiana, along with Andrew Whitworth. We'll be keeping a close eye on some of those uh, Rams making a homecoming of sorts. Uh, one more to wrap up this segment, uh, a nugget to hopefully blow uh, your mind in the audience. It's a bit dense, so let me go slowly here. The Rams and the Saints combined 14-1. and Fourth most combined wins for a matchup in which the teams had one or fewer losses since the merger. Basically, there's only been four matchups since the merger where teams with a combined record like this have had as many wins with only one loss combined. In each of those cases, the winner of that game played in that season's Super Bowl. Wow, really? So if you're teeing this up <laughs> as a potential NFC Championship game preview, you're doing it with fairly good reason. I mean, my knees hurt all the time, and the pain went away when you said that. I mean, really, this is this is what you play for. This is what you dream about. I love these matchups. Sunday can't get here soon enough. He's DeMarco Farr. I am JB Long. This is your Week 9 edition of Rams All Access. We have Mike Triplett from ESPN's NFL Nation covering the Saints in for four-down territory after this on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to Rams All Access. Pleased to have Mike Triplett with us for four-down territory, our weekly trip inside opponents' territory. Mike covers the Saints for ESPN's NFL Nation. Uh, the Football Outsiders metric uh, has the Saints 29th against the pass this year, Mike. I'm wondering, with the addition of Eli Apple, do you think that's an accurate reflection of the Saints' performance in the secondary? Most measures have that. Their opponent's quarterback rating, the yards per attempt, uh, they're, they're really struggling in that area. But it's more of an inconsistency uh, issue. They've played better in the last four weeks. Uh, Early on, they were giving up way too many big plays that really inflated some of those numbers. But they're still good for giving up a couple of those big pass plays and a couple of those touchdowns that haven't been great in the red zone this year. And what they did against Minnesota last week, they were really getting picked on quite a bit early in the game before their uh, nickel cornerback, P.J. Williams, ended up forcing a fumble and returning an interception for a touchdown. So that's been the element that's really been missing is making the big plays to make up for the ones they're giving up. If they can start doing that, that'll really help. Uh, you went on to NFC Defensive Player of the Week honors. Question number two on four-down territory. How big of a loss is Marcus Davenport, who's out a couple of weeks with a toe injury? Yeah, it's pretty significant now. I mean, he was only playing about 50% of the snaps, and they have a veteran starter in Alex Okafor and some decent depth there. But they brought him in here to bring some juice, and he was starting to do it. He had two sacks in the game where he got hurt and three sacks over the last three games. So they wanted to improve their pass rush this offseason. Losing a guy from the mix does not hurt. Yeah, how's your two with Ingram and Kamara going in the backfield? 
pretty good. You know, uh, they did not intend for Kamara to do it all by himself for the first four weeks when Mark Ingram was suspended, but he did end up doing it all by himself because they just didn't find another running back they trusted. Is leading the NFL in yards from scrimmage for those four weeks. So having Ingram back brings them back to that one-two punch where they're sort of splitting the work pretty evenly. And they're a good combo because they can both do a little bit of everything. It's not like one thunder and one lightning. You don't know for sure what they're going to do on the field because they both run up the middle. They both catch passes. They both do goal line work. They both pass protect. Uh, Mike Triplett is with us. He represents ESPN's NFL Nation and covers the Saints. Final question on four down territory. I want to take you back to week four, the preseason. It felt from our perspective like the Saints might be trying to send a message, playing some starters, uh, going for two, challenging, uh, even an onside kick uh, that was uh, called dead. I'm wondering, is there still bad blood between Peyton Saints and the Rams going back to the Fisher and the Greg Williams era, or do you think that was some other message being sent? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I I wouldn't think so. There was definitely bad blood with Greg Williams, but I think he has respect for this current staff. Uh, you know, I've never gotten any indication of that. and Nothing jumped out at me in the preseason other than certain players that were playing in that game that, that needed to get some work uh, based on snap count. So, no, I think they respect uh, this team as, as, you know, another team that has a similar offensive innovation and obviously the team they've got to beat in the NFC right now. All right, great stuff, Mike. Thank you for some of your time midweek. We look forward to seeing you at the Superdome on Sunday. Thank you. You know, talking to Mike there, is it me or does it feel like the Saints are almost like honorary members of the NFC West as often as these two franchises have been <laughs> going head-to-head since the Rams came back to Los Angeles? To me, they are a part of the NFC West. That's what I came up knowing. The old NFC West was the Rams, the Niners, uh, the Saints, and the Falcons. So going to New Orleans is familiar. So their fans, seeing the Rams in their house is familiar. So some of those barbs or, or jokes or when people start getting on you in the stands there. Some of those are 30 years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've been coming at you for a long time. Uh, the Saints improved to 6-1 and one, uh, last Sunday night with a 10-point victory in Minneapolis, even though the Saints totaled a season-low 270 yards. They, like the Rams, have demonstrated that they can win away from home and they can win with other elements of their team. They benefited from a interception return for a touchdown and also a costly uh, Adam Thielen uh, Vikings fumble in the red zone. Uh, when I look at some of the strengths of the Saints, uh, again this week, kind of like with the Packers, their offensive line is best at tackle. So that's a great challenge uh, for Fowler and the outside linebackers as they get together for the first time. If there's a weakness to be attacked, again, it looks to be at guard. No doubt, uh, because you have Aaron Donald. And I was thinking about this from Rankin's perspective, their defensive tackle. Yep. If it wasn't for Aaron Donald distorting reality of the position, He'd be knocking on Superstar. He's having a terrific year, yep. but it doesn't look like Aaron. But I think you always have the advantage no matter who you play. But, yes, there are guys that have been beat, and I don't want to say by lesser people, but guys that aren't Defensive Player of the Year candidates yeah. uh, have, have had success in the middle. So you just try to imagine what 99 would do in similar situations. Uh, I, I think there'll be consistent pressure from that spot if you can get into – a, a, a pitcher's count, so to speak, defensively. Yeah, Armstead and Ramzik at the tackles as good. Pierce equals with the Rams tackles in terms of their grading this season. Uh, but Andres Pete at left guard uh, barely ranks in the top 70. Yeah. At guard, Larry Warford at the other guard. Uh, experienced six-year 
317. Max Unger in the middle at center, more than adequate. Um, but if you're going to find a crease, chances are it's going to be kind of between that center and left guard like it was last week for Aaron against see, the Packers. See, the good coaches don't make Aaron prove it. I think they just accept that our guy isn't good enough or won't be able to stand up one-on-one versus him. So I, I think the adjustment to Aaron is going to be immediate. You'll see it immediately, which is good because Wade Phillips will have more than enough opportunity to see how to you can exploit it. Yeah. One other straight question that's just been kind of knocking around my head. How do you think Drew Brees feels about having multiple other quarterbacks on the field at the same time? I mean, Taysom Hill is out there all the time. All the time. He's not always taking snaps, but he did against the Vikings. I just wonder what it's like to be a future Hall of Famer and have another quarterback uh, on the field semi-regularly. You know, I was thinking the same thing. Like, that must have been one heck of a sell job by Peyton. I mean, to sell Breeze on that. And, I mean, the fact that he does it and they do it so well and it helps them win, I guess it reinforces, like they say here, it's we, not me. So right. it's about the team. It's about winning first. I mean, you'll see he'll play tight end. You'll see him uh, receive kickoffs. And you might see him throw a pass like he did to Michael Thomas last week again uh, for the Vikings. It's so just uh, one extra wrinkle um, to this matchup in New Orleans this week. Uh, we will once again be doing our best to preserve our eardrums uh, <laughs> on a weekend in which not only is it Rams and Saints, but also LSU and Alabama, I understand. Yes, uh, this will be interesting. Uh, it seems like we always hit New Orleans when there's something going on. Southern Classic. Yes, like something. something yeah. is going on, right. That's fun, though. I mean, but I think the main thing is the main thing. This is a titanic matchup in the NFC and possibly for the league. This is going to be fun. All right, I may have led us to believe um, that the NFC West was over a bit prematurely, DeMarco. Remember last week I changed uh, around the division to around the NFC? Yes. I may have jumped the gun. Hopefully not. But let's go back to around the division to begin our next segment. Fair enough. And then we'll round it out with the rest of the NFC. Final segment of Rams All Access upcoming on ESPN LA 710. What a matchup. Sunday at the Superdome in New Orleans. Hope you will join us. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long here on this edition of Rams All Access. Undefeated LA, one loss. New Orleans, the two hottest teams, the two teams atop the NFC. All right, we'll get to the NFC in just a moment, but first I got to take a step back to Marco. Maybe the division is more interesting than I led us to believe. 4 and 3 Seattle hosting the 5 and 2 Chargers coming off a bye. I guess if Seattle wins this one, the Saints beat the Rams, the Seahawks beat the Rams at the Coliseum, it might be on again in I the would, NFC West. I would bet. Uh we said this leaving That's a lot Seattle, of ifs, but we said this leaving Seattle or in this room that uh, I don't think Seattle's done with the Rams yet. Um, Pete Carroll went back to the woodshed. He got back to fundamentals. They got back to running the football and slowly started to improve the team week after week. So you just you take the four weeks that they've improved and just stretch that out by three times, and you wonder where they're going to be in December. And sure enough, here they are again. And they're doing it in the same bruising physical way. Yeah. Uh, that ball, that sort of ball, that brand of ball always plays. Uh, you will always be ahead of the curve when you can play it like that and you have Russell Wilson at quarterback. So not done. Who knows? Uh, the next time the Rams see the Seahawks, it could be very, very, very important for them. You know what's crazy is – I think it's too strong to say that losing Earl Thomas might have been addition by subtraction. I mean, he was playing so well that, you know, on the field, that's probably not true. However, I think 
that finally ushered in the Russell Wilson era, right? Like, yeah, that was the final piece removed, I think, the final holdout from the Legion of Boom that may have had a differing philosophy, a different locker room sentiment than what's remaining there. Absolutely. I mean, that look, that, that skin had scabbed over and you put a Band-Aid on it. Eventually, it's going to heal and fall apart and new skin comes through. And I think that's where they are now. So if Pete Carroll walks into that room, that veteran-laden squad, and says, hey, look, this is what we're going to do to get back into contention. We're going to go back to basics. I bet the groans you heard were all from those veterans. Ah, back to basics? Really? Well, okay, so you have to go about removing those voices and getting more people in that are all in bo- on board with your plan and your vision. I think that's where they are now. Interesting. Do you think they can beat the Red Hot Chargers? Uh, you know, anything's possible up there. With a bye week to prepare yeah. for Philip Rivers and company? It's loud. Uh, they've got some better-than-average rushers that can get after you as long as you can run the football on the other side, and I think you should have some success against them on the ground if you can control it play Seahawk ball. Yeah, you can beat the Chargers. All right, for now, only two two lost teams in the NFC behind the Rams and the Saints, who will again play uh, on our air on Sunday. Uh, Washington has won three straight, and they went out and got Haha Clinton Dix off that Packers team that the Rams just saw, and now they host Atlanta. I think that's intriguing. That That's really... I, I cannot believe Haha Clinton Dix is, like, gone. He played so well versus the Rams... For Green Bay, and now he's like the Ty Montgomery one. You're like, okay, that that had to happen. Totally, I'm Either surprised they let him on the bus. Cut, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. But Clinton Dix was having a great season. Yeah, and the Packers aren't sellers. I mean, that NFC North is still open. I'm, I'm, I'm still. There were a couple of moves in the last couple of days that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. One happened right here. I, I'm still surprised about Jamon, aren't you? Who ended up with the Giants. Yeah, I'm I mean, still surprised I, about look, that there, move. There was a tough decision that had to be made there in terms of how do we fit Fowler into what's left of our salary cap. Right. And I, I think it's a testament also to the progress that the rookies have made in Allen and Noteboom. In fact, uh, Sean McVay said this week at the podium that that played into their thinking. Oh, that's fair. Hey, look, if it is even and equal or just about even and equal, if that young guy is just about as good as this veteran guy, well, you're going to go with the less expensive option always uh so what you have to do as one of those i call it the nfl middle class is you can't give that away Mm -hmm. you can't open the door you can't be suspended to start a year coming off a division championship if you're a starter then remain a starter there if you get beat out so be it but don't give it away Uh, the other two lost team in the nfc carolina Panthers have won four out of five. They host Tampa Bay with Fitzmagic declared the starter. Both of those games, by the way, the Washington game and the Carolina game, in the early window. So when we kick off against the Saints, we'll have an even hmm. better sense of what's left behind the Rams and the Saints in the NFC standings. Would you ever take Fitz over Cam? Cam Newton? I like I like the way Fitz is playing. I, I, I think Tampa Bay likes the way Fitz is playing. The players, there's a different energy about them when he's in the game. It's obvious. That's but, a great question. Yeah. Like, I wonder if you injected both of those front offices with True Serm, if they would trade their guy for the other guy. I, that would be a great question. Um, I, on any given Sunday with his ability, if Cam Newton is feeling great that day... I mean, he's gone to a Super Bowl and won an MVP. So, right. like, credential-wise, it's an obvious answer, Cam Newton. Right. He's the trusted starter. He's the undisputed starter. 
But statistically, Fitzpatrick has had a season that warrants attention and ranks among the top four or five any way you slice it. Right. I mean, look, it's it's all about Cam. It's it's Cam or die. But when Fitz takes over, now it may be because he's it may be the guy he's taking over for, but he seems to lift everyone around him. They just play better when he's in the game. I mentioned Carolina here for one other reason. They could become the Rams' favorite team. Why is that? Who do they have? Two more games head-to-head against the Saints. Oh, yeah, please. So if for some oh, reason wow. this doesn't go in the Rams' favor, you're going to lose the tiebreaker if you were you know, even with the Saints. You might look to the Panthers as being the maybe the team on the schedule that hands the Saints a couple of losses down the, down the path. I like it. What do they call that? The, the draft partner in racing? Absolutely. <laughs> Be that guy for us. Yeah, see, see how sports makes you... Makes you have to like people, <laughs> no matter how you feel. You're going to be rooting for Cam Newton now, <laughs> or you could just make it a moot point and get to nine and zero, right? And put a stranglehold on the NFC. You know, uh, the best way to go about it is to take care of your own business, and it, it's tough. You got to go through Breeze in his own stadium to do it. But these are the games that you prepare for and talk about and wish for. Uh, so it's not about boo-boos and ah-ahs and personal feelings. It's about the team playing their best game, and it's needed to beat them in New Orleans. Bigger stakes for this one than any game since the Rams came back to Los Angeles, would you say? I, absolutely. Um, what could have been bigger? Um, the playoff game you know, versus yeah, Atlanta. Yeah. Re- regular season, yeah. I mean, the game going to Seattle last year and taking the torch and putting yourself in position to win the division, yes. But like, it just goes to show, the farther you go down this path, the heavier the stakes get. We'll be talking about this game. I have a feeling. We'll be talking about what happens in New Orleans f- for the remainder of this year and possibly the next five years. You went there in August. You go there in November. The best way to ensure that you don't go back in January, win this one, week nine. Mm-hmm. I hope Todd Gurley's listening. We'll talk to you on Sunday. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. Thanks for being with us for Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.